0: Hello, and thank you for joining us in this five-part series on the subject of grit, perseverance, and the middle school student. My name is Scott Betosh, and I'm the head of school at Alexandria Country Day School, an independent school in Alexandria, Virginia, that serves about 200 students in grades kindergarten through eighth grade. The subject of grit and perseverance have gotten a lot of attention in the last few years, with books like Paul Tuff's How Children Succeed, Grit, Perseverance, and the Hidden Power of Character, Angela Duckworth's grit, passion, and perseverance in the science of success, and of course Carol Dweck's mindset, taking center stage in the national discussion of how to strengthen these character traits in our children. While it can be argued that these ideas have been oversimplified in the popular press, there's no doubt that helping children develop a growth mindset and the ability to persevere through difficulty will help them not only in school but also in life. At Alexandria Country Day School, we've taken steps in recent years to integrate these ideas in our curriculum and instruction, and as a result we've seen improved performance in our students as well as, perhaps most importantly, growth in their independence as learners. Through the ways uh, that we accentuate the traits of effective learners, assess student performance and growth, employ instructional methods, and engage students in reflective dialogue, uh, our students have grown tremendously in the last few years. With this experience in mind we thought it would be useful to share some of our reflections on the work we've done, the challenges we've faced, and what we anticipate for the future. I'm joined by my colleagues, Ryan Woods, head of middle school, Meg Mosier, head advisor and language arts teacher for grades 7 and 8, and Chris Ross, director of student life and science teacher for grades 7 and 8. Today we thought we'd talk about how we think about the traits of effective learners and how our approach to discussing these traits with students helps them to build grit and perseverance. Ryan, perhaps we can start with you. In general, what is
1: meant by the term learning traits and which have we emphasized in our program? So when we talk about learning traits, we're teasing out the habits and behaviors that lead to successful learning in in any environment. So we're not even just talking about a classroom environment, we're talking about students, whether they're at play, um, on a sports field, whether they're outside of school, at a museum, it doesn't matter where they are, what are are the different habits and behaviors that they need to have to successfully learn anything? Um, So here at ACDS, we've identified that if students are going to be successful at learning, they need to be able to organize their time and materials they need to be able to participate actively and thoughtfully. They need to learn how to learn independently, work collaboratively, and exhibit effort and perseverance. And, and Meg, why
0: why do we have these traits, or why do we emphasize them, and, and how did we arrive at them? Where did they come from?
2: Mm-hmm. I think um, over the last several years, we started to notice that it was... Uh, our, Our reporting of student academic mastery was getting muddled with these behaviors and we wanted to tease them apart, we wanted to increase the accuracy of our reporting and the transparency of our reporting so that students, teachers and their parents could have a clearer picture of what was leading to the academic success. Uh, Under what conditions was it happening or was it not happening? So, for example, you could have a student who was performing highly, um, having lots of academic success, but we could look at the fact that they were putting forth little effort and they were pretty poorly organized. And that gives us a lot of information about what's going on with a kid who can be incredibly successful academically with little effort. This is a, a student that we probably need to be challenging more. Um, and that's something that's Im- important for us to know. Conversely, you might have a student who struggled academically despite strong organization, consistent perseverance, coming to seek support from teachers, asking questions, and they're still not succeeding academically. That's a really different case, and we need to know that, and we need to be able to put in supports for that kid who's who's demonstrating all these, these learning traits, these habits of a learner that we want, um, but not having that academic success. And, and finally, you might have a kid who's also not having academic success, but then when we look closer, we see that, well, this is a kid who, you know, they're really struggling with organization. They never come and ask clarifying questions from teachers. They give up easily and look for the, the shortcut or the easy way out. And that, that's a really different kid who's not succeeding academically. So by teasing these apart, we're able to identify purely academic mastery so that you can see whatever letter grade has been earned on an assignment or over the course of a trimester, that letter grade now truly represents their understanding and mastery of course content, of skills that were worked on during a particular unit, and it separates out the learning behavior so that we can also accurately report on all of those qualities of a person and of a learner that we value and we want to instill in our students.
0: Chris, or anybody, how how has this changed the dialogue with students? We talk about their work and their performance in class.
3: Uh, For me, and and it's been, I've seen it both um, in the classroom and then also with my own kids. Um, Because I have now one in college, one in high school, and one in middle school. And I get to see a a broad range of what's happening and how different places are doing what we are uh, really trying to do very well here. Uh, In my own classroom... The students are no longer saying, um, well, I'm not worried about the test score because my homework grade is going to bring up my my average, or my attendance score is going to bring up my average, or participation. These are are great things and great attributes to have, and and, and arguably equally important to that letter grade, uh, but for different reasons. And it really shouldn't be, as as Meg was saying, muddled in with the overall uh, success of what they're able to do in terms of knowledge of the content and the skills. That success should be separated from the success of their traits and, and their behaviors and how they get to a certain place, their effort. Um, and they're much more focused on, my students have already, in just a couple couple years, um, already much more uh, concerned with each of those things, but separately, and realize the benefits of both uh, and how to try to master both sides. Um, I have to confess that I was actually disappointed with one of the conversations I had with my daughter in college, Um, I was talking to her and uh, of course I will never admit this anywhere, but I did encourage her perhaps to skip a class um, to come home earlier so that I could spend a little more time with her. Um, And she said she couldn't skip that class because she doesn't want to get a low attendance grade. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that that struck me as something that I I, I was surprised. Let's put it that way. And and arguably a little bit disappointed that that was uh, being done at at that level um, as well. Uh, So You know, I think that there's a lot that we're learning, and I also will say that um, I now read through in great detail, much to the chagrin of my kids, because I highlight and take notes now all of the comments that are there, because I find that that is equally, if not much more important than the letter grade, because it tells so much more about what the kids are doing, how they're really behaving, what they're really mastering, and what they're really learning, and then how I can better help them.
0: One of the things that's really
3: important here at ACDS that we talk
0: about a lot is the independence of our learners. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that in separating these ideas of learning traits from skill mastery, we're helping them understand that differently for themselves. Um, If we think about grit and perseverance, how have we started to hear kids think about that? Or or how have you experienced students um, thinking, separating out those ideas, like you've talked about, between... um, their their learning traits and their academic performance and how that how has that helped them persevere well, I remember?
2: think you make a really important point that by separating out the learning traits and reporting on them separately from the academic success um, it, it empowers the students because mm-hmm. they begin through those conversations that we have with them they begin to see that they have a lot more ownership over why they're succeeding or why they're struggling mm-hmm. when we when we can, they have an academic bump or a hurdle we can have a conversation with them about that oftentimes kind of through the lens of the learning traits and looking at well let's look at learning independently and part of learning independently doesn't mean you do it all on your own that's a conversation i have with my students a lot it doesn't mean you do it all by yourself an independent learner is someone who is willing to struggle with it for a little while notice precisely which aspects of a task are difficult for them and formulate a specific question that will help get them the help they need for that aspect of the task. And they know exactly who to go ask. Who's the right person to ask for that? So it's asking for support, but it's being conscious and mindful about that. And so you can talk to a kid and say, did you ever stop by and see that teacher for help during your study hall? Or did you touch base with them during your flex period? And those conversations around learning traits like independent learning? Or how organized were you? Did you organize your time? Did you begin studying for that in small chunks several days before the assessment? Or were you cramming for it the night before? It starts to help the kids, I think, see the relationship. There's there's definitely an intimate relationship between these learning behaviors and their academic success. Hmm. But separating them in our reporting process allows us to have Conversations that are more transparent with the kids and help them see the, the relationship more clearly, I think.
1: Yeah, I would even add that I think all of us could probably admit to at some point in our career and probably earlier in our career that we had conversations with kids that sounded something like, I need you to work harder. Yeah. And right. now that I reflect back on that conversation, I realize I wasn't really telling them anything. <laughs> um, it had no meaning to them. They don't really know what hard, look, hard work looks like. Uh, now, when we have conversations with students who are struggling in any way, shape, or form, we have clear language and shared language around what they need to be doing specifically. Um, you know, we even had a meeting yesterday with uh, with parents to say, like, we need to focus on these three areas. We need to make sure that homework is thoroughly completed each time. Thorough looks like it's it's really. Um, your best work. There's a volume of work on the page, not just completion. Um, We also talked about the idea of, uh, we need you to meet with this teacher weekly during our tutorial session. That's like a clear, definable action. That's going to show us effort and perseverance. Um, So it really gives a clear road map, I think, for kids. I really think that's what the learning traits do. It shows them how they're going to get there to the content and skill mastery.
3: And that's really important. It's helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. it lets kids know that they can make mistakes and that those mistakes are almost a desirable in a way to help them in that learning process. And so when they do make a mistake, it's not the end of the world and they know what the path is to kind of figure out, okay, well, how do I go on from here? What do I do? How do I fix this? How do I get this better? How do I get to that point where I want to be? And, and it also provides a, f- a, a mechanism by which they're getting a lot more feedback a lot more immediate feedback on what it is that they're doing and experiencing which is much more what what life is and a lot of other things are I mean if you think of any sports that we play if you miss a ground ball in a shortstop and it hits you in the face you know you've done it wrong and there's some immediate feedback to say okay I got to work on that some more and so it, it's it's a it's a process that while I at, at first I was a little bit skeptical uh, on some levels, Um, I'm thoroughly embracing it right now because I see so many of the benefits that it brings. Yeah, we've heard a lot
0: recently about the power of normalizing mistakes and learning from failure. And and I know that we have some practices that we've done even in here about highlighting and normalizing mistakes and finding value in how you uh, unpack a mistake. You can tell me something about an example we've, where we've done that?
3: I've actually, it, it's a, it's a, uh, an activity that I, I picked up from a, a math class that's done, and I've done it in a couple of classes as well, uh, where you essentially demonstrate, um, I forget exactly what it, uh, what it was, how it was phrased, but um, it's like you, you, you show to the class and you showcase the biggest mistake, the, the, the uh, uh, and you celebrate that mm-hmm. as opposed to Um, just showing the exemplary work uh, and things like that, so that this way, you know, if you're doing some sort of calculation and and the kids got it wrong, and in science we do calculations on, on, you know, not a regular basis, but often enough, and if they're not understanding it and they don't get it quite uh, straight away, we'll break it down and we'll say, okay, so we're going to celebrate this one right here, and we're going to see what happened, what was really good about this one, and what needs some work still. And so it becomes something that is... um, (laughs) kind of almost exciting to look at rather than something to, you know, shy away from and never bring up uh, ever again. I was just in a
1: math classroom where they were doing that very activity, My Favorite Mistake, where the teacher had the students working on an incredibly challenging problem, and instead of immediately revealing the right answer to everyone, she pulled some of her favorite mistakes and highlighted those for the students to say, let's look at these together. What can we learn through the effort and the perseverance that people put into these problems? And again, signaling to them that Putting forth this effort and getting it wrong is not a problem. That's how we're going to get to the right answer. Um, I think another way that we often do this, and I'm just in a math mindset right now, but in math class when um, we are grading our students, um, it's not as simple as just right and wrong, right? We want to get them out of that, ha- that habit, and instead we want to look really carefully at what, what mistakes they made throughout the process um, so our teachers, when they're grading math tests, they are highlighting places where they're identifying errors and then having the students go back and look at those errors to identify when we're wrong, as opposed to just saying, this problem's wrong, you're done with it. Um, we're having them do a lot of reflection around all of their assessments to figure out what mistakes were made and what they can learn from them and potentially try again.
2: To jump in on that, I think in, in language arts, um, one of the things that we've really brought in on board is regular reflection. And so after every milestone along the way, whether we're creating a a piece of writing in, in any genre, having the students write reflections upon comparing their work against a model of excellence in that genre. And some of the questions we ask them that speak to effort and perseverance is where do you see your work matching the quality in the model of excellence and where do you see gaps? What are, describe the gaps that you're seeing. And then after that, asking them, what do you need to do to close those gaps? What needs to happen to close those gaps? And maybe the student doesn't know how to achieve that without support from the teacher, but we're pushing them to recognize where gaps exist and to struggle with the thinking on their own for a while of What what has to happen to, to close those gaps. What does my work eventually need to look like? And that again speaks to helping them formulate those specific questions on those pieces they need some support with.
3: What I thought was going to be a relatively simple activity has turned into an amazing learning experience, and that's uh, with uh, food webs uh, in science class. Um, I've been we've been introducing what food webs are, and then coming up with a list of at least twenty-five different organisms in a temperate <laughs> forest ecosystem, and they've been working in small groups putting that into a food web and considering. What uh, trophic level they're supposed to be in, um, who's eating whom all the way through, and then the fact that certain organisms are not just eating the animal uh, in its, you know, in the previous trophic level, but also other trophic levels down the down the line. So. Uh, The black bear is certainly going to eat uh, a salmon, but it's also going to eat, or some other type of fish, but it's also going to eat some berries or uh, things uh, that are more on the producer level. And so having the kids try to create those food webs and make all of those connections, they have gone through three, four, five variations of this. And if you talk about grit and perseverance, uh, they have put it out on some big piece of paper, put, you know, use rulers, straight lines, boxes, and I, I give them some feedback and then it's, I'm not telling them to redo it, but they're not happy with it. And so they go back and redo the whole darn thing again to make it as, as, as good as they can. Uh, and they're learning a tremendous amount by just seeing how to present it really well uh, and accurately and also in a way that speaks um, volumes of information in many different ways, coloring it uh, and, and all the different things that they're using with that.
0: I find striking about this is that something you said, Meg, which is that independence isn't doing it alone. And so what we're actually doing is giving students the tools of independence to know how to how to uh, tackle these problems, mm-hmm. also giving them the language yeah. to have a common dialogue around the challenges of perseverance, but also of, of how they're going to approach a problem, and then building in the reflection piece yeah. of helping them, and they need the language to do that, think about their own learning and being able to decide for themselves where have I expressed these learning traits or what needs to grow? As we look ahead, where where do we feel that we, you know, where do we want to go next with this? Where where can we continue to strengthen or, or what is coming out to us as areas where uh, students have particular difficulty perhaps around these ideas and, and where do we want to help uh, strengthen them for the future?
2: One of the learning traits that I'd like to work on more thoughtfully is um, participating actively and thoughtfully in class discussions Mm -hmm. and conversations. Uh, Perhaps that's because in my content area, public speaking is one of the the strands that I'm focused on. But I think I notice with our students, and probably many students in schools everywhere, they're eager to share their thoughts and their ideas, but they can often be disconnected from the conversation that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I talk to the students a lot about having discourse versus having back and forth answering of questions. Um, Even when we do set up the room in a circle, and I've talked to them about the language of discourse and building on others' ideas and um, just expressing agreement or disagreement, they can use that language pretty well. But they're, they're very often eager to share their own idea, which is on topic of the discussion. But you may have a student who just shared something that's begging for further mm-hmm. digging and exploration or begging to be questioned and, and kind of really pressed. And the next person to talk just goes on, on their own piece that they wanted to contribute. And I, I'm finding myself frequently saying, hold on a second, let's go back to this, okay. this idea that was really just getting developed and, and stay with it. So I think helping our students understand more deeply what it means to be an active participant in discourse mm-hmm. and a thoughtful participant in discourse is something I'd like to to take them to the next level
3: on. And for me, the the, the kids too. Um, that active and thoughtful participation participation doesn't always mean that you have to speak. It also means that you need to listen sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, have a hard time doing that sometimes mm-hmm. um, because everybody has an idea and they want to get it out. And, and I get it, and it's it's fun, and and you can have a very lively class, but uh, it could come at the expense of some really. Uh, deep or uh, interesting ideas. I think
1: big picture when we're thinking about learning traits where we need to go next is helping our students just be more self-aware about what are their strengths and what are their challenges related to uh, our learning traits. I think we've done an amazing job this year in particular of making sure our students know what the learning traits are. So we have them on the report card and they get assessed by the teachers every trimester so they see it then. We have spent time during our middle school gatherings when we come together as a community every Wednesday, explaining each and every learning trait to them, and then spending more time in our um, advisory sessions the next day, unpacking it a little bit more. I know teachers are referring to them in their classroom. We have posters that are hanging in the classroom that remind the students about our, our learning traits. So I'm, I'm confident they know these. and I think they even have an understanding of what each one means. Um, I think the next step is helping them really internalize it. Mm-hmm. So in the moment they can start thinking about, you know, am I um, participating actively and thoughtfully right now? And if I'm not, what adjustment am I going to make? That's a challenge for any middle school student. But I think that's the direction we need to continue to push. It's not just like you understand what these are. Are you living them? Are you experiencing them every day and being thoughtful about them?
0: I think one of the factors that's really important to being able to do this work is to create an environment in which kids feel safe and and supported in exploring some of this, which is going to be unknown territory for them. And, And one of the things I know we've done is in some areas lowering the stakes so that students We hold students accountable, but the stakes are a little lower so that they can, they know that they can try and perhaps not succeed, but then try again. Uh, I know we're going to talk about that in the future in our our next podcast episode, a little bit about how we approach the idea of being able to redo and retake assignments and and assessments to create that opportunity to continue to grow. But I think it's important to recognize in all of these conversations, whether it's about discourse uh, or reflection on your work it requires, I think, a space where the kids trust, yeah. yes. trust the teachers, yeah. and trust one another to be able to do that reflection safely. I think that's something that, uh, that's that been a really important part of this. So uh, I'm really excited about this process, what comes uh, for the future, and the continued dialogue. We have uh, four more episodes of this plant to talk about this idea of grit, perseverance, and the middle school student. Our next episode We'll talk about, again, the idea of uh, redos and retakes, and giving students the opportunity to reflect and then try again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been a very important part of, of building that sense of resilience and perseverance. So we look forward
2: to having that conversation. Thank you all for contributing, and we'll look forward to next time.